0: How are things this is just a quick message to say thank you to everybody who has supported the podcast so far if you would like to donate to the podcast you can do so through paypal you can find us at paypal.me forward slash clockwork junkie that's paypal.me forward slash clockwork junkie thank you hey how are things this is mark here and welcome to the clockwork junkie podcast on the show today my guest is gary elbert gary how are you
1: not too bad, Mark. How are you?
0: Not too bad, words It's great to have you on. Um, I just, I suppose, to let people know, uh, I always let you know when I know somebody on the show. Um, I, I don't know, Gary, but we know a mutual friends. So a big shout-out to Shane Stevens in uh, Montreal for putting the, for hooking up the two of us together. Thanks for that, Shane. Um, I suppose just before we start, if anyone wants to contact the podcast as normal, it's Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to support the podcast, it's paypal.me forward slash clockworkjunkie. Um. Gary, last year, ran the Connemara 100 miles in 24 hours. That should be the end of the podcast. How the fuck did he do that?
1: What was that like? As a
0: like, I mean, I don't even know where to start. To ask you about training for that and everything else, can you just tell us a bit about why you decided to do it and what it was like doing that? Yeah,
1: yeah, I will. Yeah, no problem, Mark. That's the day. Crossing that line uh, in Connemara last August, um, I suppose, they, probably for most of my life, an ultra runner would never even have entered my brain. you know. Yeah. And then it was actually uh, August 2019. I'm actually doing doing a project on this the mall was actually for college. Uh, but I came back from a gig in um, uh, Cologne in Germany. I lived there before. I was overseeing a Mongolian band called The Who. And a uh, great crack over there. came back anyway. Um, it was a party. It was a party week now, you know. And I came mm-hmm. back to uh, Ireland. I was, I'm, I'm living in Galway. I was in Galway in August. And I was like, I need something now. I need a new challenge. And um, yeah, I, I actually got David, uh, David Goggins' book at that time as well. And just looking for something something to push me, something to inspire me. And then some of the things that I've learned from him and his philosophy in life as well, I ended up signing up for the Longford Ultra Marathon, uh, which was yeah, end of August 2019, 40 miles down Longford. Um, so, yeah, it's a Tuesday evening. Signed up for where to go. I've only I only ran two marathons prior to this: Dublin okay. 2017 and Dublin 2018. So I hadn't ran a marathon in 2019 at all. And uh, signed up for it, and then the doubt started to creep in. You know, um, I remember actually was I was in the, I was in the sauna after a gym one night, and a, a guy I know uh, told me that's crazy, that's madness, what you're doing. And um, so I 2nd guess myself. Then I actually tried to send the email to the organizer saying, um, "Actually, drop me back to the regular marathon." Okay. The email never sent. So anyway, I went down to Longford, and I'll tell you, no exaggeration, man. The day I had done Longford that day, it would stay with me for the rest of my life. I was never in really Longford before. Got down there. Checked into the accommodation. woke up at half five. Uh, the race was seven o'clock, and there was about twenty of us there, standing on the on the start line. Long for lunch, marathon, forty miles, and off we went. And um, you know, that whole race is a is a is a is a journey in itself. I could talk about, but um, met a lovely uh, girl from Galway, it was another friend of mine, um, Jenny, and we ran uh, with another guy actually, Owen from Dublin. We ran the. First, I think it was 25, 30 miles together. And she plowed on ahead. I kind of pulled up and I started walking around 35, 36. Then I got a second wind. And I sprinted back into Longford the last two miles, three miles, whatever it was. Just a sense of euphoria, man, that I've never felt in my whole life. All the doubts I had leading up to it. All day, oh man, what you do is crazy. All that negative shit that I heard. People who are not qualified, even given that um, uh, uh, analysis, and sprinted back into Longford. And my mum actually drove up from Tipperary, surprised me, and she was waiting at the finish line, all worried. I pelted in, and the look on her her face, man, of sheer joy, relief, real lovely sunny day down Longford, man. And I can't, I I really, it's very hard to describe the emotions and it but it was, it, it was euphoria. It was euphoria like I've never felt before. And I was like, this ultra running uh, is, is pretty cool. I like a challenge. I like, uh, I like, um, I like to take on a different, uh, difficult challenge, but um, anyway, no, it's, yeah. It's like pretty re-
0: normal Gary for people who do um like any marathon, but like, yeah. you know, like you're just the, the normal standard marathon where you're, you you get to the end and you're just, like you're fatigued about eight miles out, but like you end up getting to the end. And then it's the whole euphoric feeling and loads of people, even that I know, cry at the end of it. And it's not a, you know, it's, I've never felt that because I've never done it. And I can only imagine like, it's like, like, you know, I can't possibly go on. And I thought that an hour ago. Now here I am at the line and I've done it. And you're just so fatigued. Your energy is gone. You have euphoria at the same time. Um, it must be one of the best feelings in the whole world, but I'm delighted that you didn't listen to that gobshite in the, in the, in the sauna.
1: Yeah. Because- yeah, no, don't get me wrong, he's a nice guy. He's a nice right. guy, but again, <laughs> but like like, like we, we all have limitations. I had the same limitation in my mind. Running 40 miles, I would have reacted the same way. What? You've only mm-hmm. ran two marathons. I, 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 crazy, man. But that's an automatic reaction. Like it's it's a survival-based reaction, you know. But mm-hmm. we, like and the other thing about that experience was I, I said to a couple of mates, I, I I felt like, you know, when you're playing a computer game mm. and you unlock this new level that you never knew was there. That's what I felt like. I felt like I, I'd unlocked a, a new level of, of uh, experience and possibility in my mind. And that really led to then, okay, like it started off 2020. The plan was going to do a 50 mile, um, up in mayo the wild atlantic way 50 mile and then 100 mile in 2021 that was a plan a gradual uh, incremental approach covid hit and um, the 50 mile got cancelled and I, I i basically booked connemara um, in april just to give me a target just to give me something to zero in on wasn't sure if i'd be ready for and again because it's such a big jump really like I, I only ran at that stage i'd ran three marathons because i ran the Canvara marathon in march And I did uh, the Ultimate Hell Week uh, TV series as well, which is another great experience just before that. But I signed up for Connemara just with the intention of, yeah, to bring the best out of me, to give me a date, give me a goal. And that's really the background to it, man. Um, I was a heavy smoker for a long time and I only really gave up smoking officially. Well, not officially, there wasn't a press release around that, but uh, I I gave up smoking. yeah, I gave up smoking over in Germany um at the end of a five-day good holiday in 2019, July 2019. I've been on and off at that stage for a year or two. Um, even when I was kickboxing as well. But uh that's when I said, you know what, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna really get the best of myself now. No more, you know, like bouts of hedonism and having mad weekends or anything like that, or, or just going off the rails. No more. I'm sessions. gonna dedicate myself. No more sessions, Mark. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um I'm gonna dedicate myself because you know what, man. I've done it long enough, and I realize now it was a trap that I fell into that we all fall into. It's so culturally, just we're just naturalizing into the alcohol and and bodily abuse environment. But uh, that's basically it, man. That I I, so, I just I start training with Connemara and I I put the work in, yeah.
0: So if we go, so if, if if what I'd like to know is, okay, so the Connemara 100 is here. I want to come to that. At the end of the podcast <clears throat> so we know yep. how you got there <clears throat> now let's go back like even when you were younger and all that like you um you're, what, you're 38 39 is that what you said 39 yeah 39 life is over but you're going to be
1: 40 next year oh no 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 i want to you get want warmed up <laughs>
0: Where you're always training all your life, where you're always keeping fit, where you're always, um, even though you were going out having sessions or whatever, and it's not that you're a big drinker. Like everyone that I've ever met in my life had sessions. This is exactly what you said. It's what people in Ireland do. It's the culture. Oh, uh, Mark won't go out tonight. He's a bit weird. You know, you're like you're weird if you don't go. You know, you're not in with the lads. You definitely won't get a girl because they're all out in the session as well. Um, and it's it's a culture that we're brought up in, and I I don't know if it's still the same now. Maybe it is. Um, I've done it no more than yourself for long enough. Um, I detest even the thought of it now. Uh, I like, yeah. you know, I I couldn't go out and drink for two days in a row now, and what's more, I wouldn't want to. You know, it it, it wouldn't make me happy. It doesn't. It doesn't turn me on even the thought of it. You know, I said, oh fuck, no way. I, I'd rather sit down and yeah. yeah, yeah, fucking watch Netflix. You know, and that's probably the age as well. I know, but it's 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 growth of the mind as well. But um, so. You were you are in Galway now, but you're a temporary man. Yeah. Oh, what was so Ross big, Gray. Ross Gray. Big shout out to Ross Gray. Oh, yeah, the like Ross Gray boys. Uh, Ross Gray. Then when you were younger, what was the what was life like down in Ross Gray? Like I want. to see what? how you got okay. from a lad there to be able to do a hundred miles? And it's it's obviously yeah. you know people can get fit, but your success probably ninety five percent of it is in your mind. It has to be.
1: Oh yeah, well, the, the, the mind the mind is the key to everything, my friend. Yeah, yeah. And, and if your mind is not right, and it won't be right if you if you're continually abusing your body, um, then your your, your life is not going to be great either. You know, um, in terms of growing up in Ross look, there's, there's a there's a whole. I'm actually here now in Ross at the moment, like, but I grew up in a housing estate called Sheehan here in Ross Gray, and. We were actually the last generation to have a proper childhood without uh, the mobile phones technology. We had the PlayStation's and the Mega Drives and all that, but uh the like, Mega Drive. we spent the Mega Drives. Do you remember yeah. the Commodore sixty four? Yeah, Street Fighter. Uh, we used to have a game. Yeah, Street Fighter. Yeah, yeah, and Streets of Rage. All those mm. games. Yeah, but uh, but like our childhood was spent outdoors. We were out mm. playing soccer for hours, hurling, out galavanting out in the, the fields there, Robbing tires off the farmers, you know. It's just a real proper old-fashioned childhood, you know. And then um, I suppose I got to my teens then, and I was, yeah, regular playing sport. I was getting really good at soccer, actually, up to about the age of 16. Um, More Gaelic uh, football fan and, and player than Hurling. Hurling really wasn't my thing. I didn't like it. Um, but then around 16, 17, went off the rails, went off the rails and uh, just stopped playing sport, really. Um, Got into punk rock music and all that type of stuff as well, which is, which is okay in a way. But um, again, you know, that that time was when I became, when I was 16, 17, 18, you're talking 98, 99, heading into the millennium, very hedonistic culture. Um, It was, well, it seemed to me to be back then, but coming from a working class background and, you know, there wasn't much uh, in terms of progression to third level education. Um, the Midlands, traditionally, not a great place economically for jobs or anything like that. I actually went up to Dublin when I was 18. And I um, I enrolled in a, a, a degree in philosophy in a college uh, on the on the south side of Dublin. Because from the age of 16, 17, I was reading uh, books. I, I actually remember buying uh, uh, Plato and... Take cars and you know people like that, like which is very unusual for, for a young fella from Hounslow. But uh, yeah, yeah, and then basically too young, too immature. I was up in Dublin, uh, abusing my body, drinking, smoking, you name it, and uh, dropped out of college. And yeah, I suppose spent most of my twenties, definitely up to the about twenty seven, twenty eight, not doing little to no uh, physical activity whatsoever. Uh, maybe the odd five aside side game of soccer, but um, just fell down that rabbit hole, man. Of uh, the weekends were where are we going now? I I I I I spent four years over in, in on the continent as well. I was in Europe. I was in um, uh, Holland and Germany for a good period. And you look, young lads over in the middle of Germany and Holland, every weekend was a big session, uh, a wild session. Yeah, well, It
0: was part of like like you know it's probably the same in loads of countries but growing up in Ireland that is the culture it's like um, I remember like you know the, the very same in the late 90s if you weren't going out for pints like you, you weren't part of the gang you know like there was no one texting you on the mobile to see who you're getting on there was none of that crack at all you were rich if you had a mobile phone not rich but like oh yeah, um, yeah. there was a uh, you know there, there wasn't as much channels or entertainment as there was now there was a huge disconnect in around that time uh, as we spoke about off air with the Catholic Church um, especially, I think it was, you know, everyone thinks their generation done everything, but it was, I think our generation was one of the first, the, the, the main ones to kind of, there was a huge disconnect. There was, every second week you were hearing stories about the Catholic Church with sexual abuse, paedophilia, they were losing their powers. Um, there was no real, that much good jobs in Ireland. There was no, the you know, everywhere was booming, really, in terms of like drinking and the session. Drugs all of a sudden became very... Uh, available in her that time i'm not saying it wasn't available before that and i'm not saying it's not available now but it seemed like a good kind of a influx of all this new yeah new culture and you know people start eating pasta and you know, <laughs> it was all this yeah yeah things were changing but all of the time
1: but you, do you remember as well like at, at that stage you had um there was more access to uh american culture and british culture you know 100%. if you look at the 80s um, you know, our parents were probably watching Dallas and things like that, but mm. then in the 90s then we started to get access to whatever, hip-hop music, rap music and then yeah. England, the rave, Nirvana, yeah the, mm. the, like, again, touching on the 90s but like, Nirvana are a great band, Climbers band, but like they, you know, the music of that era especially the old rock era was very um, nihilistic, very mm. self-hating very self-destructive yeah. and we all, many of us lived our lives by that, you know, like Kirk Cobain, better to die young and uh, rather than fade away, or, you know, like that, that type of rock and roll type of uh, uh, lifestyle, like, you know, very yeah. prevalent uh, in the 90s.
0: So I was like, like, um, you're the only person everyone's against you. A, a huge band I used to listen to that was very like that was Rage Against Machine. You know, you listen to Rage yeah. Against the Machine and you'd nearly go out town looking for a row, you know, for someone yeah. yeah. to yeah. say something to you, like, you know. But, um, yeah,
1: absolutely, man. Yeah, there's Irish band there called Therapy. I actually have them tattooed yeah. on my arm there. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you can see it there. yeah. or yeah. um, their, their logo, yeah. they great um, band. They were like that too. Great band. Oh. Great band. Therapy, yeah. But very, uh, looking back at looking back at the lyrics and the and the mindset, it was it was strange, man. You know, as like really was, uh, almost promoting a self-destructive way, and a self-hating way of uh, of living your life, mm-hmm. which is seems mad now, like.
0: But what I found at the time was, um, it was like, a, you know, sometimes it's it's better the devil, you know. So we were just going around doing our thing. Like I would have been the same as you when I was younger. I went even picking carrots, robbing orchards, and it was kind of the last generation before they move over. And we kind of got the best of boat worlds, I think, uh, or the worst, if you want to say it that way. It depends on what way you look at it. Um yeah. I think it's the best of boat worlds because you got experience. Like there, there's no there's no other generation that's going to experience our generation again where we came in with, where we were to the technology we have now. Um, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And it's, it's, a <clears throat> for me, it was, um, you know, Ireland was a bit of a shithole in around the time, but we'd access to other places that looked like it wasn't a shithole. And then we start fancying ourselves and getting ideas. Well, I want to do this. I want to do that. But there didn't seem to be any avenues there. Or for me, just seemed to be a lot of, well, if you're not in this gang, you can't go and do that. We're, you know, this kind of thing. And it was like a, you Know and with the music as well, like there was a lot of anger around, you know, at the time it was and, absolutely. And yeah, it's great to hear you saying that because, like, that, that's a fact, like, you know what I mean. And anyone in around anyone between 47 and probably 31 now, in around that age, maybe even bring the gap smaller, would say the, the very same thing, you know,
1: absolutely. They like people if you look back at the period, and um, a lot of uh, political corruption was coming out, and um, the Sunday papers. Almost every week had the most disgusting stories about um, what was going on in the Catholic Church for years, and our generation has grown up absorbing this this hypocrisy, you know, that was going on. And they, oftentimes, when you see institutions collapse around you, oftentimes you just embrace that, you know, uh, uh, nihilistic uh, mm. uh, reaction, you know, like yeah. like th- these people were lecturing our parents about how to live their lives, yeah. And all the while they were they were just covering up the most disgusting like if you go back to the eighties, you know, we all need to tighten our belts, said said one said one famous politician like mm. we all need to tighten our belts while he was creaming off, off the actual state, you know, and yeah. that level of, of hypocrisy started to come out um into the into the Irish psyche in in the mid to late nineties. And you know, I, I've done a, a good bit of reading about that period, but I'm no expert on it, but I mean, you can you can you can understand the reaction of our generation, you know, are especially then on it because
0: you fucking lived it. You know, you you were there yeah, at the yeah. time. You know, it's like a, is a historian an expert on the Titanic, or was someone that survived it an expert on the Titanic? Probably someone who survived yeah, it. No, but you know, um, yeah. you know, it's uh, with the Catholic priests and all, I remember when I was younger, the, the most authority that anyone could ever have was to be a priest or a nun in school. And by the time I, oh, yeah. I finished up my school and they were looked at as a joke, like an absolute joke. So yeah. in, the, in the space of what's your school schooling, like, I, I, you know, from national school to secondary school, it's about 12 years. They went from, oh my yeah. God, there's father or sister <clears throat> such and so yeah. to, yeah. You, know, what are you what are you are doing here? You're not even teaching people. Go yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. If you go to a church now, I mean, it's, it's predominantly uh, uh, people with gray hair and not saying there's not a place for the church, but mm. I mean, I'm just again pinpointing that period and, you know, the, the free fall in, in attendance, uh, the, the free fall in people signing up to be priests, um, it all stemmed from that, from the mid-90s when all those horrendous uh, stories started to come out.
0: I, I did, did a story um, about, or a story, sorry, a podcast about the mothers and baby scandal there. Um, yeah. that, that's like fucking horrific, like absolutely horrific um they got away with murder back then but look we could we could do a whole other podcast on that you know um yeah yeah i don't know like i still think there's a place for the church like i mean look i believe in evolution because it's happened and i know that the big bang happened because we can see it um i don't know what came before that maybe there is an entity or entities or maybe there's multiple universes i do not know so i understand why people are asking these questions and you know but sometimes you can ask the right question but just it's, it's probably important to ask to the right people you know you want to be asking the question yeah. about who am i to someone who wants to rape you you know and who your parents yeah, think yeah. is the authority on everything because if you remember your parents when they were going to school the priests and the nuns had even more authority again
1: oh it was utter oh. submission utter deference oh, to them 100%, yeah. yeah
0: yeah so i suppose with all that's going on you're on the sesh 24 7 which sounds good like good fun um you, what made just how was your mental health during that, or the, the the people that was around you? How did you find it, or what did you think?
1: Yeah, in, in terms of mental health, Mark, I, I, I like I, again that that period, there was no discussion about mental health. You know what I mean? Um, um, I, I, I'm sure you remember that yourself, but I mean, like, I I came back from the continent. I think it was 2003, 2004, and I would have looking back at it now, absolutely. Would have struggled i would struggle with um uh, issues of anger and um, issues with um general uh, emotional issues and again you know that period very little physical activity very yeah. little training uh, looking again at that period at uh, that hedonistic culture there was no long-term goal you know yeah. and of course i know more well at the time that it would be more well-adjusted people shall we say 18, college, marriage, five house, two kids. I never had any interest in that. You know, I, and because I had no interest in that, I think having a long-term goal um, never even crossed my mind. Because, like, I would have associated long-term goals with living that traditional life, which I've never really wanted anyway, to be honest with you. But I suppose the mistake I would have made was not, not even the mistake, but not realizing you have to have goals. You have to have Short-term, medium, long-term goals. Yeah, you, you need. I need a code to live by, but my mental health wasn't great um throughout that period because I was just living moment to moment, just reacting, mm-hmm. you know, just reacting like, like like a like a little ball in a pinball machine, just being popped over pillar to post, you know, and not having control of myself. And like definitely, it was a dangerous period. But I, I, that's not that's not something that's unique to me. Most young men, especially, and I see it even now, um, as, as I, I, I am a mature student now in, in college at NUI, most young men are generally more susceptible because they do have those more energetic, possibly violent urges you know, mm-hmm. that, that needs to be shaped either by, by a caregiver figure or an authority figure. And if they don't, no, it's like a, an, an 18-year-old can be sitting on a, on, a, on a laptop and the next thing he's over in in Baghdad, fighting for ISIS, or you know, mm-hmm. like like that that age, eighteen to mid twenties, very susceptible to uh, ideologies and belief systems. So yeah, to answer your question, man. that's time, yeah, just like 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 a little pinball being pelted around the place, mm-hmm. no direction, and yeah, many days, many days after after a long weekend, just you know, utterly at odds with myself and with the world, not knowing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, depressed.
0: I, 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 I empathize with that so much; it's unbelievable. Like where the session's good when you're doing it, and everything is fine, and you know you're chatting to people and you're having laughs, and there's you know you have your own little bubbles and circles going on and all that. But I suppose the in, important thing is when when that's finished, and maybe a day or two later, and you're, you have a bit of quiet time on your own, and your brain starts thinking, and you think, "What am I yeah. fucking at? What am yeah. I at?" And yeah. you start contemplating life and. I'm not married now and I'm in my 30s and I have no kids and you know like I don't know who put that down as the blueprint anyways the the good old um like the American values the 2.4 and the picket fence and all that um, and buy a house yeah buying houses is that's for the banks because the banks can loan the money back out it's not for people like but anyways that's a different story again but um yeah I, I empathize completely with that where am I doing and it's, it's not as if when we were younger where there, there was no other options. Now there was options everywhere. How do I get them? How do I do this? And then by the time that comes, then you're burnt out. It's Friday. One of the boys ring you. Yeah, I'll meet you at half six. And then you're back yeah. home Sunday. Then Monday or you're sitting down saying, I shouldn't have done that. That's fucking 10 weeks in a row now. You know, I'm running out of yeah. money. I'm, yeah. I, I don't, Yeah. Feel, all you're doing is you're poisoning your mind. You're poisoning your, I'm not saying don't go out and enjoy yourself. Of course, do. Just, not six days of the week it's not that kind of a, yeah, you know yeah, just looking, yeah absolutely
1: yeah. moderation of- is, you know, moderation is key but like uh, what I just say to young lads now is okay, like, if you look at the roots of alcohol in Irish culture and let's go back to the famine let's go back to the coffin ships man They, they it was homemade hooch just designed to give a, a temporary escape from utter abject misery and poverty yeah there's a great book there called The um, they what's it called um, it's about it's, a, it's about the family I, 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 I get the I get the title for you again but like this image of Irish people over in the states and um, just in abject misery man and alcohol was just a temporary release from that misery you know there's like' just, there's a famous quote in that book actually like you know loads of Irish uh, down under luck people begging for money uh, in, in Connecticut in different places like I mean that's our relationship with alcohol is based on we wanted a temporary escape from from the, the horrible misery existence. Uh, misery it was, yeah. And it's no more different now. If you walk into a shop and you see ten cakes there, a part of your mind is like, "I'd love to bring them all home and eat them, yeah." Mm-hmm. But buy one and have it at the end of the day when you've um, when you've fulfilled your potential for the day. But it's just we see what's happened now. What happened in the nineties was just utter gratification i want instant Mm -hmm. gratification and i want it all now you know Mm -hmm. and it's about finding that finding the the key to moderation but again when you're talking 18 to 26 27 year old people you know they're full of energy you want to live your life you want to get out there and enjoy your life but i can tell you right now i've seen many and i know many people who never came out of it i was at a house party a few years ago in galway fella sitting beside me Monday night now and uh, probably I'd say around the same age as you at the time mark 44, 45 and um, twisted on uh, whiskey You know? and another fella said to him oh fair play to you you're still buzzing at your age and I thought to myself still buzzing this man's an alcoholic this man's pathetic yeah and I think we can all end up to, to that level you know mm-hmm. because it's, it's reinforced all the time oh Jesus fair play to you how do you keep doing it I mean like for me, if you like, it's a it's a danger, it's a trap that we can all fall into, and it's it's got to do with not being aware, not respecting the dangers of alcohol. I've seen alcohol destroy people's lives on on a, on a, a, a swift decision made one night, a, a stupid decision made in the blink of an eye, and that person's life is irrevocably changed. And yeah, I'm not talking about um, lecturing people or or when they're younger. People can do whatever the fuck they want but I think the education system needs to make people more aware of uh the boundaries in terms of going out and enjoying yourself that probably that yeah. like all that now no
0: well, you see, no you, you, no you, no you definitely don't it's um like I I have a you know and look this will be another podcast but like the, the conversation is going everywhere now but I'm just going to let it flow because it's, it's interesting like I have a big problem with education my myself I think that like like, they're... Obviously, you have to learn to read and write, and you have to learn... I don't think religion should be in school until you're 18. You can go and learn about yourself. yourself. Um, I'm very, very strong on that. I, I hate religion being taught in school, because if, if you're... When I grew up in Ireland, I was a Catholic. If I was born in Pakistan, I would have been a Muslim. And if I was born in India, I would have been a Hindu. So it, my religion depends on where I'm born, so it's geography-related. Geography, yeah. But then, but then as well, you know, when I grew up in school, I didn't learn anything about... um. You know, like you learned about murder was bad and don't steal, and you know, like I, I didn't learn anything about like a fixed rate mortgage, or I didn't learn anything about um saving your money or looking after your mental health, or um you know, like this is going too far towards sexual abuse, or this is going, you know, you talk, I, I like, I was learning about Henry VIII and Oxbow Lakes. I, I'm fucking algebra. I've never used algebra in my life ever at any stage in yeah, my life yeah. at no stage and I wouldn't as Billy Connolly said I wouldn't talk to anybody who did you know what I mean yeah yeah, yeah. Been, and look I don't blame the teachers they're going through they have a syllabus and then like I think the whole thing is fucked because you know you get up and you learn and then at three or four you fucking go into uh, these preschools whatever they're called now little acorns or whatever then you're in school five or six hours a day then it's eight hours a day then you have homework and school is 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 to a certain degree but it's not about teaching you. You're not taught, you're, you're taught yeah. to how to regurgitate and remember stuff that they wanted this way. It's fucking yeah. nonsense. Yeah. It's the biggest yeah. hindrance to yeah. anything I ever heard. I mean, I've learned so much. I left school in fifth year. I hated it. I love science. If I had science every day, I would have been an A student because I loved the bones of every second of it. I hate, I had no interest, I didn't speak in Irish. I know it's a at national, at the national language. I was never going to speak it. French and German, I says, look, I didn't really, I wasn't, you know, maths, I can count, you know what I mean, but, I, I, you know, and I just, I remember hating it with a fucking passion, i thinking like, I'm not going to use this shit, it doesn't interest me at all whatsoever, but when I got older then, um, I went back to school as a mature student in uh, AIT, and I, got, that- I did quality management because I wanted to get promotion in a job, I love that college, it's a brilliant college, and I love the people in it. I don't remember yeah. anything I learned. I just remembered the stuff they wanted me to remember to regurgitate it yeah. on the day. And I took the hit for a yeah. couple of years because I wanted to get more money. At the time, I was very um, possessions orientated, you know? Um, and, and like I knew when I was doing it that there, like, and, and I was working in the job at the same time and there's nothing I used practical from the course on the job. Not one fucking thing. But yeah, I had to know yeah. all this to get my degree and uh, I had to yeah. learn it and, and be regurgitated on the day. And I did do. And I forgot it two days later. And and that's that's interesting. You're not being taught proper stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. The education system is based on the old uh, nineteenth-century English industrial school model, anyway. One hundred percent. Yeah, they. they, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and um, you know, it, people have made the argument that Ireland lacks a lot of innovation for that reason because we're too regimented. We don't encourage uh, creativity um, in the system. Not to mention then our old friends, then the Catholic Church, actually have still exerted uh, the control over the actual syllabus, and over yes, the, so the, never they own as, the. land. there's never been
0: as many people. Sorry, there's never been as little people going to church. The Catholic Church in Ireland has never had as little power as it has now. Well, yeah, I think it runs ninety percent of the education system.
1: Yeah, 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 they still have the they still had the stranglehold, and it, it comes down to it comes down to finances market really is that simple. Yeah. They they own the land, they they um they they effectively control it through through owning the land, owning the property, you know. And look, yeah. no, they they they're probably like I can tell you, I, I've studied uh, religion in the module. I like you have gone back to college. I'm actually wrapping up a degree now at the moment. But uh, the um the interesting uh, stat over in in England actually um. A lot of atheist parents, parents who either left their religion or they've, um, they've, uh, they never did or never were religious, there's an increasing number of the parents sending their kids to uh, traditional Catholic schools because they do like the, the sense of ethics and the, the sense of order that a good Catholic school can give. And it certainly can to to yeah. a degree, you know. And um, you know, with the more superstitious stuff, maybe like you can you can handle that as a parent. I'm not a parent myself, but you can you can you can definitely make an argument that there is a place for for mm-hmm. that sense of order and morals. Jesus' moral. That's
0: what... teachings is incredible. Like the thing, you know, like he's he's right. Yeah. Like there's, it's important to have it. But if if you're teaching a child, like, look, don't run out in front of the car because you get knocked down, or don't look out of a high top window because you might fall. And then you're saying uh, there's a heaven and a hell, and if you're bad, you're going to hell. I think that's child abuse, you know.
1: Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. And that that's what has been based on fear. If you look at a lot of James Joyce's work, I mean, mm. if 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 people want to get a good sense of what it was like to be to be a kid, in uh, and, and at the turn of the century, read a portrait of the artist as a young man, and it was literally hell and brimstone, you know, and um, it was just these thundering clerics promising you damnation if you um, even think about the opposite sex or if you think about intimacy in any way whatsoever, you know. Isn't someone um, who's supposed
0: to be a celibate telling you to not think about anything with opposite sex and then they're the same people then that's yeah. raping children? I never, it's the hypocrisy of it all is just un- yeah. Do you read James Joyce? James Joyce, you do.
1: Oh, I, I was—I well, I, I haven't read it in a while now, but I—I I, I was a huge fan of, of, especially that book now, Portrait of the Artists*. I've tried uh, *Ulysses* a couple of times. I've um,
0: tried it. I can't read it. Uh, not yet. It's too boring. I yeah. don't, look, I'm going to be effortless yeah. now. It's too fucking. It takes too long. It's, it's like um, it's it's too hard to read. You know
1: what I think is the—you know—I think is the best approach to America. I've been thinking about that doing this for a while. We organize a group of people, and we all resolve to take it on as a group and check in once a week that Mm. that, like that work is so vast and so technical and so complex that that level of collaboration Mm. you know I I think it'd be more beneficial but trying to sit down and read it on your own can you imagine like trying to read your list now and then your phone starts beeping man you're gonna fuck the book away Mm. you know it's just it's it's too much and that requires a real deliberate strategic approach to to actually read an audiobook you know Oh yeah, yeah. No it's impossible I I it's impossible. I prefer, I'm I prefer now to sit down with the book and, yeah. and, and give it a lash, yeah. I think one of the big
0: problems is that like you know, all this technology like obviously we evolved down through the years, everything is fine. Um, and then you know, we were even up to twenty thousand years ago, ten thousand years ago, hunter gatherers, then de- hunter gatherers, then we got together in communities and start farming, blah blah blah. You know the story. Then the industrial revolution, and now all of a sudden like our brains can't hack this. Of course they can hack it, but our technology has evolved quicker than us. Like we went from having Absolutely. nothing to having everything all of a sudden. Um, Absolutely. And if people looking at Facebook then and looking at Instagram and, you know, girls, oh, look at that belly and the arse and that girl and look at me here. I'm like fucking Shrek. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and, oh, they're unhappy. Yeah. And then there's girls saying, oh, I, I seen a picture of you the other day and your arse was fat in it. And, like it's, I don't know, like at this point in my life and me getting through depression and like I genuinely hand on heart and I do not say this for effect. I don't give a fiddler's fuck what anyone else thinks. I genuinely don't. I take my opinion okay. of my family yeah. and the people that I care about. Um, But inevitably I'll fall on my own sword and I've learned that the hard way. It's yeah. an impossible environment for a young person now. Well, it's not impossible. It's almost impossible. I can't imagine me how no matter how cool I I thought I was at 16 to maybe 22, I was very impressionable at the time. Um, And the music I listened to, as you mentioned earlier on, is that shows that, my Rage Against the Machine, my Nirvana, and then you had, you know, all these different bands. Um, It must be impossible now for a young person growing up, pictures of this and pictures of that. And, you know, the people killing themselves left, right and center. So it's a hard fucking world uh, that we're living in at the moment. And I think, especially if you're young, and probably if you're really old, you're being left behind. Um. But I don't know how I'd survive if I was 18 now and I got depression living in this world. I got depression. I was in my 30s when I got depression. Would you imagine that? I was in my 30s. Yeah. I was fine all the way whole show, And I thought I'm that. I'm not
1: surprised. I'm not surprised, Mark, because that, yeah. that's quite common. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But like, and you know, something like I'd be uh, big into reading Jordan Peterson. I, I, I don't know if you delve into him. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Big,
1: I, I, I was gonna say I'm a fan, I'm not a fan, but a very interesting uh, individual.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I don't agree with him all the time, but I I like listening to him. Like sometimes he was up for problems I didn't even know there was, and I go, geez, he's a point there, you know. But uh,
1: you know, I tell you, I can tell you a funny story, not funny, but about Jordan Peters. I actually went to see him and Sam Harris up in the Joe the two there back in 2018. I was there. Um, I I seen it on YouTube. Yeah, very interesting. Now it goes back to what we're talking about there, Mark, about religion and the uh, like Harris obviously would be an atheist, and Peterson would embrace that. You know, the meta narratives of uh, of religion and whatnot. But um, I remember, I think it was the same summer actually. I was at a talk in NUI, and uh, a, a fairly well-known professor or lecturer in college was having a discussion with a Paul Cork, and they were just like we're having now a chit chat and. I was really enjoying it now because he was talking about his childhood and Cork, growing up in Cork, I was really, really, uh, really going into depth about it, you know, back in the 70s. And then uh, actually Jordan Peterson was mentioned. And I think she asked him, well, what do you think about Jordan Peterson? And he said, oh, he's just an idiot. And she was like, yeah, yeah, he is. I was like, just an idiot, really? A, a qualified clinical psychologist with, what, 20, 30 years experience written more books than both of you combined uh, with a with a global reach more than both of you combined, I thought, Jesus, man, jealousy and name calling mm. is not even immune to so-called uh, uh, academics and professors. It's, it's pathetic. His yeah, his, um, his his core message is listen, lads, before you start uh, worrying about the, the capitalist system, clean up your room there, yeah? Look after mm. yourself and start working on yourself, first of all. Look inwards and mm. Do you remember, I sent you there a few minutes ago about when I was, when I was uh, 18 to 28, 29, 30. I could have done with that simple message that he's given to young people now. You know, you need to get your house in order. Yeah, you need to start devoting yourself to uh, to a, a goal, a manageable goal, a sustainable goal. As you mentioned, that word sustainable. Yeah. That's his core message. That's it. And it's 100% uh, at
0: it. And people don't understand it. That's what he's saying. People think he's saying, like, he came to uh, prominence for that the he, she, gender, pronouns, and, and yeah, he didn't yeah. want to... But look, we're not going to fucking get into that now, but yeah, the, the the Simon Harris and him, I think they've done it in Toronto Dublin and London, and maybe they've That's done a right, few more. Yeah. But one of my favourite things about those... I watched all of those uh, debates. I, yeah, I me them. too. I, I, yeah, but one of my favourite things is not the actual debate itself. It's at the start where they sit down and Jordan has to tell Simon what Simon has said in, in the last and where he stances, and where he's right and where yeah. he doesn't agree with him. Then Simon has to tell Jordan, well, this is where you're right. This is So now, you know, both of them completely understand each other before they start of the debate. And wouldn't it be fantastic yeah. if government's done that as well, wouldn't it? Rather than roaring and shouting and talking through their holes. Absolutely.
1: Every every conversation, like like Sam Harris has a great quote there. All we have is conversation. And if we can't have a conversation, especially between two people who, who disagree, then, you know, human culture is a serious trouble. Like, yeah. we, like our brains have evolved to be able to, to use language and discuss and speak things. But you know, like a conversation like that is like anti-Twitter. It's, it's, it's yeah. based in reality, you know. It's like, I don't really feel the need to want to show you how more intelligent I am or, or show you how much more right I am, you know. But we can certainly, we should be able to sit down mm. and trash out our, our different points of view and have a conversation and actually yeah. have a genuine, in-depth conversation that's not around uh, scoring points or me trying to yeah. uh, score one, uh, one up on you. You have you have a, a life experience uh, and so have I. And let's sit down together and 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 have a discussion. Yeah. That's like it. Turn-
0: <clears throat> like me and you, obviously, are agreeing on an awful lot of stuff, but. That's just by proxy, that wasn't planned, but I mean, there's there's um, loads of people that I have on the podcast and one of the things that I decided when I started it was that um, somebody thinking different than I think or somebody disagreeing with everything I say is not a deal breaker on getting them on. It's actually, yeah. would be more so trying to get Absolutely. them on. Um, and there's been people on this podcast that's been saying stuff that I've been saying the opposite to for years and I won't interrupt them. I let them say it and I talk about it you know and why do you think this and yeah. why was that and could it be this and then yeah. I get challenged loads of times as well there's no problem just because I disagree yeah. with you it doesn't mean that I hate you I'm not on any side I'm on no side I'm on the side of human beings that's it I, yeah. I don't hate anybody I'm, yeah I can disagree with you, you. I'm fighting with you or I don't like you it doesn't mean that at all whatsoever that wouldn't even cross my mind um yeah oh yeah <clears throat> but um <clears throat> so it's it's all a, a lot of stuff is in the mind essentially and it's toughness in the mind um and like i know from uh depression that uh it was long-term goals getting back to your running it was long-term goals that got me out of it so when i decided that i wanted to get better um and i was trying and like i was about six months into it and i even got a bit worse and i remember thinking like my problem here is i'm looking for instant gratification i'm looking for improvement uh, not tomorrow. I want it now, if not yesterday. And God, I decided that, thing. yeah, yeah. And I decided that this is not gonna, this is not gonna happen, man. It's, it's. I'm not getting better this way. Um, I'm going to have to do it incrementally. If that means point zero zero two percent a fortnight, that's what it's going to be. And I had to just be humble and just give myself t- small targets. Sometimes I took three steps forward and two steps back. I have no problem saying that It wasn't a big victory all the way. I failed. Yeah, I only succeeded once, and that's the time that I did it. I failed all the other times. I'm going to say it was over 100 times. Easy, easy. If not, like, I'm not exaggerating. It was probably more. I failed and failed and failed and failed until one day. Um, though There was never one day I was sitting down and said, oh, I'm over the now. That never happened. It was about six weeks. Uh, I was sitting down one day, and I just thought, I just, jeez, I felt great for six weeks. It just went to my head I hadn't a bad thought, or I wasn't feeling down, or I wasn't... Yeah. Yeah. And I said, you know, and I said, okay. So what do I do now? And my answer was straight away was exactly what you've been doing all along: get better incrementally, little bit by little bit. Now it's not to say I don't have a bad day. Yes, I do. I've had about six or seven bad days this year already. That's no problem. I know. Look, like after number one, when you get it, oh well, you told the lads that you might go playing. I don't give a fiddler's fuck. If I told the pull-up something, I'm number one. I have to be okay before I can help someone else. If I'm not running. At 100% or even 50%, I'm no good to anyone, including myself, or any little niece or nephew that I love. I can't do anything. So get myself right. If that means take myself out for two days, I'll do it. Because what I need to recover, to recharge the batteries, is certain tools and techniques I have, and then I'll come back 100%. And that's it. And if people don't like it, I couldn't care less. That's what keeps me going, and I'm 100% now, and I feel great. Um, But for, for you to run 100 miles in 24 hours, like, first of all, the fitness of it is great, and I want to talk to you about how you train for it and stuff like that, but like, I'm so interested, and I'm probably going to learn a lot off you here, like, the mental battle you would have went through there is something that, through all my struggles, I don't think I can comprehend that, man. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I can only imagine that you felt like giving up a dozen, and I don't, don't mean this in a condescending way. You must have felt like giving up so many times. You're like, like There's a, a point where fitness doesn't matter anymore. It's all down to your head. Like, can you talk about Absolutely. your training? I suppose, what kind of, like, how do you train for 100 miles, first of all? hot the fuck? You must have been running five or six days a week, 30 or 40 kilometers. Well,
1: well, well the first thing I, I, I can tell you is the only reason why I, I started looking at 100 miles was when I did uh, Ultimate Hell Week, uh, which was on RT, the, the Series 2, and I was mixing in there. I was, I, I was three days on the course before I got eliminated. I was mixing there with... Top quality people, top quality um, athletes, professional training that, with the
0: that Ranger Wing, the Irish Ranger Wing. Is that that program? That's the one. Yeah, there okay, is the Ranger
1: yeah. Wing. It's a version of the Ranger Wing course. Yeah, but that mm. that 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 influence made me think about, uh, in general, raising my 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 targets, raising my ambitions. Yeah. Mm. Um, so then, in terms of training for the hundred miler, like it's. I started running in April. I remember I started doing a track session once a week. I started doing long runs back to back at the weekends. And then I kind of graduated to I, I went for a time on my feet approach. So 40 miles a week, 50, 60, 70 miles a week. And up to the last month before I started to taper off, I was doing 90 to hundred miles a week. Um, the last heavy training session I did actually, I went over to Portugal myself um, in July. And, uh, and just ran a ten miles in Dublin on the Monday night, but then did ninety miles over in Portugal, a lot of elevation over in Lagos um or Lagos and uh just gradually upped it. But like during the training itself, a lot of doubt, man. A lot of doubt. Like the hundred hundred miles is a is a is a scary prospect, you know. Um and, and a lot of doubt. I, I remember coming back from a, I ran a marathon in Galway one day, and I came back, it was Sunday morning. And I was just absolutely zonked for the day. Just mentally and physically absolutely zapped. So really up the, Like, what I did is not ideal. I, I only... I, I ran three marathons. I ran a 40-mile trap. I did also my hell week. And then, instead of doing, like, 100k, went... Jumped straight up. It's like going up the third division, up to the premier division, maybe, uh, up to um uh, the 100 miles. So, my body... Had to adapt to a big increase in mileage, you know. Um, but so again, when, during, sorry, yeah, go when, ahead.
0: when you were saying there, during your your training, you're up in your trend and you were getting to like 90 miles a week, you know, like even that itself is unbelievable amount of mileage. But like that's 90 miles in a, in a week. You had to do 100 miles in a day where you're not shitting yourself. Like, like that, you know, oh, like, absolutely. The 90 miles in a week, I can assume, was extremely hard. And then you must have been thinking, if I'm fucked from doing this, how am I going to do 100 in a day?
1: Yeah, no, but the one thing I say to you, Mark, is like training is about adaptation, right? Uh, you put a load on your body, you give yourself the rest, your body will recover and your body will adapt. So I I, I have a bad week or have a, a hard day. But essentially ultra running is you're 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 training your body to run when you're tired, and you're training your mind to uh, combat all the negative thoughts that are going to come into it, like, and the training is part of that, so that's why you would say run on tired legs, so me and you could run a marathon on Saturday, then I'm ringing you Sunday morning, let's go do another 30k even if we had to walk half of it But just that continuous motion you know, and in, in terms of shit myself like planning the whole thing, thinking about the whole thing organising the whole thing 100% fear involved but that's why, like, it's only a proper challenge if you're actually afraid, you 100%. know? If you're not afraid to do something, like, again, I, I go back to Ultimate Hell Week. Um, when I was lucky enough to get the call for that and go on the show, I, I took a look at, okay, what are the things that they can possibly get me on? Heights. I I, I, I had a fear of heights and a fear of jumping into water. That was number one. Second thing was uh, adapted to the cold. So what I did was I cycled out of Salt Hill uh, a couple of months before the the, the event started and I literally stood on top of the fucking diving board on Black Rock. I lived in Galway, Normark for over 10 years at this stage, literally shaking with fear and I I, I used a motivational technique. A a person who had a great time for had died recently around that time and I used that person's spirit and that energy to get me all off the, the diving board you go up a diving board any day of the week people of all ages are just happily to throw themselves off it yeah that was a big thing for me you know to, to, to go and do it and that's what I'm saying it's just like you have to, like it's, it's only a challenge if you're if, if there's a bit of fear involved and mm. I then I, I, I just kept doing it I kept adapting myself I cycled out Salt Hill as I always did but this time I was jumping off a diving board I did that for three or four weeks and you're still shaking yourself. I haven't done it now for a few months, but when I go out there, you still feel that little bit of a tremble <laughs> at the top. Of course, yeah. but The only, the only way, the only way is such a cliche, but to actually face the fear. Otherwise, that fear is gonna is gonna control you for your whole life. And with the ultra again, look, for people, it's a standard reaction. That can't be held to run the hundred miles. That can't be blah blah blah. blah. Like. No, it's it may not. It's not a case of being healthy, but there is fear involved. And in my experience, when there's fear involved, you will you you will discover a side yourself you never even realize that you had.
0: But it's, it's it's not. People say, "Oh, it mightn't be healthy doing hundred miles in a day." It's well, it's far more healthier than spending a month on the bear. You know.
1: absolutely absolutely 100 yeah i mean like like i i i know going back to what we said earlier on the conversation i know what i did to my body for a long time like i was i was smoking 30 cigarettes a day for at least a decade you know a day Mm. um drinking regularly on top of that not exercising my body was able to withstand that literally as such that was I, I assaulted my own body for for well over ten years, and um, so think about it, hundred miles. Uh, so I get to I get to live a healthy lifestyle so for three or four months, and I think about nothing but training and improving and, and running. And um, yeah, like that's it'd be interesting to actually if, if you could compare both. Yeah. But yeah, I would say yeah, I think the the first uh, scenario is a lot more unhealthy. Absolutely, yeah.
0: I want to get on to the, the the race now, but just beforehand for anyone that's. Crazy into training, like what kind of foods were you eating for that kind of training? Um, like what kind of you know, everything carbs and protein and fats did it be on? I, I assume you're on a specific diet to have the energy to keep going.
1: Yeah, look, that like I, I'm relatively new to ultra running, Mark, so I'm learning on the job, you know. And uh, in terms of the diet, the diet was good most of the time, yeah. I, I would, um, like, look there's two schools of thought here. Okay. There's very, very good athletes, elite athletes that um, are running on, on the keto diet. Uh, there's other athletes and practitioners and experts and doctors and researchers that tell you, you need to have uh, a high carbohydrate diet for that level of activity, you know, and um, like, and for myself, just carbs, just listening to the body um, and, yeah. Mixing up everything, but like the key for me was cross training. Like I, I've, I've at that stage up the last year, I've had five or six years of regular martial arts training, so I have a good solid core, good condition in that regard, and I would have lifted a lot of weights as well over the last uh, three or four years. You know, like I was benching 120 kg up to maybe two or three years ago. So, I the diet is important, of course it is. Don't get me wrong, but I mean like it's, it's. I'm no expert on the diet, yeah. but I'm still learning on the job there. But I suppose yeah. to answer your question, a standard meal, three or four or five meals a day and listen to your body. Like sometimes yeah. your body will almost be screaming at you. I need more carbs. I want yeah. more carbs now.
0: Like uh, what's you the know? best diet? The best diet is whichever one works for you.
1: Essentially. Well, that's it. You know? That's it. Well, the, the thing about diet, like I'm always wary of people, anybody that answers that question with, this is what you should eat. This is what you should do. Mm. they're not really uh, in tune with the literature because mm. here we are, 21st century, and there is no fundamental agreement on what yeah. is the best nutrition for all of the human race.
0: You never trust a man that only read one book because that's all to talk about. They don't know anything else. You have to see loads of different yeah. sides of different things. Um, so on the day of the race, you obviously went down to, well, if it was the Connemara 100, you must have started outside Connemara, yeah? Or uh, in, Clifton.
1: We started, we started oh, off in Clifton. the middle of Clifton, 6 a.m. Jesus Christ, yeah. all right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, uh, Clifton, yeah. how many of you was, it was there? Actually, it was actually a week before the, the golf gate uh, scenario happened okay, there. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> there
0: was there. How, how many people turned up to something like that?
1: Well, I'll tell you, you know, last year was, uh, was the highest field ever. Um, the director was saying 51 people actually uh, were there. Uh, which is which is the biggest field ever. I think it was 39 finish, something like that. But in general, before last year, you would be talking 2025. But the ultras, the numbers are increasing. The numbers are increasing now with the trail running, with the ultra running, the was marathons there, as well. What way did it look like in terms of
0: male and female or, or like um, age as well? Was there like young and old? What kind of oh, demographic?
1: Oh, the, the, I, I'd encourage everyone, Mark, to go and... Either crew an ultra runner, or go and actually observe an ultra race. Because any preconceived notions you may have about size or weight or gender or anything like that, age, it all goes out the window. You know, you're seeing all all sorts of people. And there was a good few ladies there on the bay, but there's people there. There's there's people there in their fifties run the ultra. Race. I mean, like like there's some incredible human beings that you see. And um, in, in terms of breaking them down by identity, like, just all, all different types of people from all walks of life.
0: And um, so, obviously, if you have to do it in 24 hours, what way does that work? How how many miles per hour or how many miles do you have to have done per hour?
1: Yeah, there, there, there was, there's, a, there's a cut-off point for the Connemara 100, it's uh, 30 hours.
0: Well, 30 hours. I went okay. down
1: there. 30 hours is a point, and if you come in over that um, you are a DNF you, you, you are a do not finish but um, I went down there I went down there quite ambitious now for a first time ultra runner because I knew the trend I put in I wanted to do sub 19 but on the day uh, it was actually 30 degree it was fucking it was near 30 degrees down there the conditions were horrendous just way very 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 warm so I came in 23-30 um, I had a game plan I had a game plan Number one was, okay, nobody was allowed to use the word 100 mile or use the phrase 100 mile. I was doing seven laps. I was doing seven half marathons, breaking it down. That's why you say to people, any challenge, any big challenge, you break it down incrementally. Um, So seven half marathons, I finished uh, the first one, lap one done, six laps to go, and break it down that way. I had a a pace time and a pace set, but the thing about the ultras is like they're always going to produce some... challenges you know and your plans can go out the window but <clears throat> excuse me but the core the, the, the what will get you over the line is is obviously the training that you put in and the mindset that you enter an event like that with and that's ultimately like again like for the last four or five years uh past participants were saying the weather was typical connemara gray overcast rainy mm-hmm. I go down there for the first one. It's like Barbados down there, you know. <laughs> it's just oh, it, it's just like you won't believe the heat down there. And very experienced ultra runners on the day uh, actually uh, pulled out. A lot of people pulled out between forty and fifty because the conditions were so oppressive, you know. But like I say, the ultras are going to offer you. They're going to offer you challenges. Uh, you can you can be as planned and as organized as 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 you think you are, but there will be challenges on the day yeah
0: fatigue makes a coward of us all you know at some stage oh. but you know like if like if, I- if you were running that marathon now today like at some stage you might hit the wall because you're only doing when I say you're only doing you're only doing one marathon as opposed to the seven laps that you're talking about for the ultra so like yeah. you'd be going an awful lot faster and at some stage you'd hit a wall so it, it must have been so hard to, to pace that. Like, like it, okay, I, I can't run as fast as I normally run because I'll never get 100. I have to bring it down to this pace. Um, yeah. How many walls did you hit?
1: There, there, there was a few. Not like like Again, ultra running is, is a specific style of running. and I remember, again, you know uh, more experienced uh, ultra runners uh, than myself at the time, they all said to me, when you go out for your long training runs, practice the ultra technique, practice slowing yeah. down. Now, that's one approach. There's uh, other people now that they run no more than 40, 50 miles a week. Uh, and are, a lot of the Marathon Club Ireland lads, they run one marathon every weekend. And then they might do a, 10, a fast 10K at, or a half marathon during the week. And then they roll up with some of the ultras and do really well. Again, it's, 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 it's body specific, you know. Yeah, yeah. But um, in terms of the challenges, um, first 40 miles... We rolled into Mam um, Cross. I was I was shadow boxing going to Mam Cross. Felt fantastic. Felt 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 really good. From forty to fifty six, it was it was dangerous on them. Uh, it was so warm at that stage. Um, beautiful day now, absolutely beautiful day. Connemara just gorgeous, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, just the, the heat and the the conditions, I really really slowed down. Um, uh, got into Lenan actually. Yeah, got into Linan way over schedule. I was there, like we started the race at 6 a.m. I was in Linan by about 6, half, 6, so 12 and a half hours in. That was 56 miles in. And I sat down, which was a big mistake. I won't do again. When I got back up and I said, okay, I feel better now. I'll I'll stay going. I literally hobbled out of Linan, like barely moving now. And I, I know one or two of the lads that were there with me, they probably thought, that's it now, the race is over, you know, how is it, like, 44 miles to go, how, how the fuck is he going to finish now? But, um, hobbled out of the nan and the mind wasn't a problem, but physically, I felt absolutely horrendous, you know, mm-hmm. um, got a second wind, got going again, but, um, yeah, there's a few moments, you know, but what happened was, I, I um, got to, I think it was uh, the Loch Ina around 72, and See, I, my body's more used to running in the even time, so I kind of got that second wind and really clicked into gear. Now felt really fantastic, seventy-two to eighty. Seven, no, seventy-two by eighty. And then there's a moment on the course, um, you had to turn left, but there's a sign in front of you saying Clifton, something like fifteen kilometres. Now that oh, that was right. that was yeah, it's but all, it's all, it's a real mental challenge about because like at, <laughs> I actually I let it roar, I let it roar out to the sky like a lunatic why couldn't he have just made it 80 miles, I was talking about the race director yeah, because I was so exasperated at that stage, but I suppose to answer your question, what I've learned right, with doing the ultras in my own life is a thought can appear in your head and you can actually you have no control over uh, that thought appearing but you do have a control over how you react to that thought Mm-hmm. so you can have a thought going I want to get in the car now and just go home but you control the reaction to that thought There's one thing I would say to people um, that, that, that you would learn from endurance events is um, your mind is almost an automatic device in between your ears but if you have a set of principles and a set of ethics or a philosophy how to live your life and knowing what you want to achieve you can not so much, you can't control the flow of thoughts in your head, but you can't control the reaction. Because now, <laughs> if you know how the how the, the, the human brain works, you know, so that's that's why I would say to people uh, that are, are doing events like this or want to do events like this, your mind is going to challenge you. You're to be and you are going to... On
0: your own, like, like obviously, if 50-odd started, then it's over 100 miles like you know, you're it, it'll be very rare that you'll find someone that's going to run the exact same pace as you. Or you know, is it is, oh, is times where you're on your own? Oh,
1: well, you're right. You're, you're You're. The reason why I do these events, Mark, is because I'm on my own. It's just me. It's everything stripped down. It's not uh, how much money I have or or, or what my status is in society. Man, it's me against me. Um it's uh, what do I have? What it takes to to um to, to finish this. That's that's the test. That's the game, you know. But it's like, I, order I, I of Malta on the road, or do you have a team with are? Oh yeah, no, you would have a crew car, with you, yeah. So okay, I had, yeah, I, 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 had yeah. I had a, I had my mate in the back of the car, or driving the car behind me for the whole race for safety reasons, you know. Yeah. And every now and then he blasts out some music or whatnot. Mm. But uh, essentially, um, no, no, like like I want to be there. I I want to have the back. I want to challenge myself. I don't want to be talking fucking small talk with somebody. Uh, I want to just have your little interactions with people and you do have lovely random interactions with people, mm, fellow course. runners, different things. Yeah. But it's your race. It's your mm. battle. You, you could be in 15 place and the guy behind you is 10 miles away in 16 place. You know, the, 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 the ultras are, are like all running, but the ultras are really are you against you. And it's a very privileged position to be in because you really get a good sense of how your mind works, how your mind reacts um, under stress, under duress, under uh, difficult situations. And if you can, you can take those lessons after the event. You can use those lessons after the event. Oh, my mind will react this way under this uh, environment or whatnot. Um, But it's, 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 it's a, it is a mental battle, no doubt it's about great it.
0: A confidence I- builder to com- complete it, regardless of times or placing, and I know that they're important to everybody who runs a race, but it's... Even to complete it's such a sense of achievement and such a, like... Like, for someone like you, who's able to go through all of that training and be mentally tough to do it, like, the likes sort of the COVID stuff wouldn't be too hard on you because you, you're mentally tough anyways, you know? Like, like... It, I agree with you 100% what you said there about like um, like you have bad thoughts all the time. Like I still have bad thoughts every fucking day but like it's how you react to them. Like the thoughts come in, I'm not in control of the thoughts. I don't know where they come from um, but I'm in control of how I react to them. Uh, even if somebody's on you and you say, oh, I want to get into a big argument with them. You don't have to, just walk away. You know, there's no, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's all in the mind and like, uh, it's all in the mind and like I was thinking even before I started this podcast, I was even trying to close my eyes, picture myself that most tiredest I've ever been uh, ever like, and ho- how, how did it feel like? And I was thinking then like, you must've felt like that, like for hours on end, you know, and that's only in the training. Then you had to do the hundred miles. Um, and another yeah. thing that must've been brilliant for you was when you met all the people down there be, be before you started. So it's not, oh, that's a very long distance, Gary. That's going to be hard. All like-minded people. Like if everyone listened yeah. to everyone, to be no one at the race, you know?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, again, like when I crossed the line, um, you know, at that stage, I was just, I just, uh, I expected to to cross the line. You know, I'll put it that way. Just the experiences I've had in in the, in the year prior, I expected to cross the line. Um, uh, I was happy, happy to do it and whatnot. But when when you dust yourself down, I remember lying in the bath that morning in the, in, in the hotel, and you just say to yourself, like. The contrast from where I was in life to have the, uh, the to have the ability to, to do that, um, And the whole the whole world opens up. It's absolutely like from, from like if you just said to me ten years ago, "Do you want to come down here to this race and watch these people run hundred miles?" My first reaction would have been automatic, the same way that I talk about your thoughts being automatic, but my my reactions are automatic. My reactions are based on wanting to blend in, wanting to fit in. Hundred miles. Yeah. What? They're not right in the head. You know, like there's no thought to that reaction. Like it's an automatic reaction. It's understandable because the thoughts are automatic. You don't really have control over them, you know. But yeah. it's what you do with them. Like yeah. they, all their brains are effectively work the same way. You know, and um, you talk about like having bad days, Mark. I have bad days all the time. Like I I think things pop into my head that are probably going back to childhood. I like I can't get a screwdriver and just remove, them, you know. They're mm-hmm. they're they're inbuilt, they're, they're based on, on neuronal activity in my brain. But I can get a good understanding of why they're there and what not to do when they're there. Like like thoughts are like a pendulum. It's over and back, over and back, you know. And If you're living life uh, right, you're living life healthy, the pendulum will generally work in your favour more than it will against.
0: Yeah, that's a a very good way of putting it. Um, There is a, like, I know, like, it's, you know, everyone has their own battle. Like, you know, like, I obviously battled depression. That was terrible for me. And then I'm talking about Gary doing his his run. And people might often say, like, what's the connection? The, I think they're like that in the terms of it's all in it's it's all in the mind. It's all about how you react. It's all about you know, like I do hate people. I don't hate people. I hate when people react with the, it's kind of a, a involuntary reflex reaction. You know, yeah. like um or uh, you know, like I remember when I left the army, I was wanted to start a driving instruction business, and I did for four years, but like no one thought it was a good idea. Only me, sure, only twenty three, sure how would you do that? You're only driving five years yourself. You're only this, you're only that. The same people then were asking for a loan of a few pounds when I was a year and a half into it, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. You know, listen to your family that are close to you, but I wouldn't worry too much about what anybody else said, because as I say in the podcast all the time, in a hundred years time, everyone, you know, is going to be dead, including yourself.
1: Absolutely. absolutely. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Look, you see, like, like, It's important to be aware of other people, of course. It's important Mm -hmm. to be aware of, um, especially if you say, people that you value in your life and what they think. But it's also very, very important to be aware of how human dynamics work, group dynamics. And generally, we all tend to gravitate towards the mediocre center. You know, that's where safety is. You don't have to put your head up. You don't have to put your head up. Mm -hmm. Like I said to a fellow, I did a before I got into the kickboxing, the martial arts, I did a white collar boxing event and uh, loved it. Loved the whole experience. Big crowd there. Uh, just amazing. Won the fight. Fantastic. And over the years, I, I've, you know, spoke to people who have had, have say mental health difficulties or people um, just struggling in life, whatever. And I've said to them, do a white collar boxing fight or do something like that. And oftentimes, <laughs> excuse me, oftentimes the reaction is, I don't want to put myself out there like that. Yeah. Now, the, the <clears> problem, the, I understand that, the, I understand that mentality. 100%. Of course I do. The fear of, of failure. The fear of if something goes wrong, if you go out there and then they get knocked out. But you can't fucking live your life that way. No. Because if you do, you're living your life in a submissive, deferential way. 100%. And you're worried about what other people think.
0: Yeah. You can't, um, you know, it's, it's the old adage, you can't fail if you don't try you know and it's the happy center where i remember when i was in school and if a teacher asked a question and i didn't know i'd have my head down whereas if i knew i'd be like a fucking octopus waving the arms so you pick me out you know yeah. it's the same type of yeah. thing it's yeah. um like i know like look there's people that listen to this podcast and they're, they're after getting to know me and like if i did it on a scale of 1 to 100 i'd say i succeeded about 7 times and failed about 93 that's a good average i'm happy with that you know <laughs> that means yeah, i absolutely. i succeeded 7 times i wouldn't have succeeded ever if i didn't try um if, 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 if stuff is easy, everyone will be doing it all the time. It's stuff is hard. It's anything you want to do, um, whether it be get out of depression, whether it be get a new job, whether it be to bring your body to the brink of its physical, um, the, the, you know, as, as much as the body can possibly yeah. do. Everything is hard. Yeah. But that's okay, you know, and you will fail along the way, but you know, you've only failed completely if you stop. That's it. And it's always good to, yeah. to try stuff. Try uh, the amount of stuff that I tried. You would not believe it. I made an absolute balls of a balls of it. But I never thought oh, I won't do that again. I thought, well, I won't do yeah. that thing again, but I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. I just won't do that because I've learned. You know, but I, yeah. I never, yeah. fucking, you, you know, or, I had people even in this podcast, I get messages saying the podcast is shite all the time. I couldn't give a fiddler's fuck. I'm th- there's people that like it and I like it, which is the most important thing. So I'm going to continue to do it.
1: Um, yeah, well, you know what, man, you have to look at the, the, the mindset of a person that, that, that either sends you that message or even thinks that way. I can guarantee <clears> you <throat> they're not putting themselves out there like you are. I can guarantee you that they're oh. not doing anything. Uh, and if they are, they're not going to succeed because if, if, if that's what they want to do is um, try and put down their, well, what they would perceive to be their competitors, then yeah, as you get a bit older in life, you realize you you realize that there's two types of people. I I keep harping on to people about Ultimate Hell Week. When I went down there, I met some fucking amazing people. Uh, like, see, I give you one example. Great guy for the podcast of the future, Jason Black. Jason is the one of the best mountaineers in Ireland. Yeah, and he's climbed Everest. He's one of the very few people to climb K two. I met I met Jason down there, and afterwards, and the most humble, chilled out fella you could ever meet in your life. He's not like, how are you going on? And I did this, or I did that. Like, mm-hmm. then you start to realize, man, that there's some truly amazing people that we are sharing this island with. Incredible people. And um, another guy there, Dur Edmund. Uh, Dur came out of prison in 2016, turned his whole life around, became a, a professional triathlete, gives talks to young people in school now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, once you start to, once people get a sense of, what other really, really interesting, good people are doing, how they carry themselves, how they approach life, man. Then the naysayers, then the miserable people, then the, the, the gossipers, their importance just starts to fade away. You know. 100%. Once you start to realize, look, there could be 100 people out there, but there's one really, really good person doing something. Let's just focus on that. Let's just focus yeah. on that. But again, you have to have an awareness of how the human <clears> brain works. If you if you get a hundred comments on this podcast, Mark, and ninety eight of them are positive, and then there's two negative, the survival mechanism in our brain makes us focus more on the two negative ones. That's actually how our brain works. Yeah. When I, I walk out the I, door, I it's not because have I'm that. I wasn't happy. That that, that, that's brain. good. Yeah, that's good. Like people talk about anxiety, and whatnot. Again, there's a there's an evolutionary basis for anxiety that you feel. When you walk out the front door, it's like a, an animal uh, leaving their lair, leaving their game. You are on alert. You're going to an instinctual alert mode because you're outside, you know. Yeah. And sometimes people can conflate that with anxiety. But I think if you understand some basic principles of how the mind works. well, yeah, going back to what I said there, but like in terms of, you know, uh, ...approaching life in the right way... Yeah. ...man there's loads of people in this country... ...doing amazing things you know... ...so I rather, find, I'd rather listen to them...
0: ...yeah no you'll... You, you, ...you'll never find somebody who's... ...doing something... ...and who's confident... ...in themselves and... ...trying to make themselves better every day... ...they'll never put anyone else down... A natural fact... ...they'll try to lift people up... ...and that's what they'll do... ...because they're confident in themselves... They're not worried. Their opinion or self worth isn't based on somebody else. It's based on their self and their own principles, and their own yeah. morals. And the thing about what you said there, which was very interesting, about the guy there that climbed um, Mount Everest. Obviously, that's the tallest mountain, McKay K was way harder to climb, I believe. But he doesn't. You were yeah. saying he was down and he was genuine and humble. It's the old yeah. saying, and I don't know who who said this, but um, like a lion doesn't have to tell you it's a lion. You fucking know. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to go around yeah. roaring and shouting. Um, if there's a, a, a deer walking through the woods, a, a, the lines, I'm a lion, you better run, I'm ferocious. A lion doesn't have to tell you it's a lion. It just does its own thing and you can see it. Um, look, I'm going to wrap up this podcast. I could talk to you for about 10 hours. Um, oh, for sure. <laughs> we went off topic several times, but look, that's what a good conversation is. Um, you write blogs as well, don't you? Just before we go
1: um well i i had i had a blog site there at the moment uh mark but it's uh it, it was more for for college now so i'm wrapping up a degree now um okay. in journalism psychology but uh <clears throat> um i am working on a book at the moment so hopefully that book will come out in the future
0: let me know when it comes out maybe get you back on to talk about it and we'll leave a link when when it's done because as i said i got to chat to you all day no problem and there was a good shout out to shane in uh montreal that we'd have a good conversation yeah, because I think that we did. Although we get all negative yeah. comments as well. But look, thanks for yeah, doing that. We won't care, you know. Look, I'll let you go. No, Gary. Thanks won't. very much. You're a gentleman.
1: All the best, Mark. Mind yourself. Take care. Bye all bye-bye.
0: Nice. Bye-bye.